Good morning, everyone, both present and in uh, webcast land. Uh, it is March 29th, 2020, at least our third week of webcasting. So I think we've been ironing kinks out week after week. It's been really exciting to see the, <clears throat> the response and the blessing that this has actually been to a lot of people all over the place. Um, we've been talking about it in the back uh, after services and the private conversations and stuff. So this has been exciting. This is my first opportunity to do it, so I'm excited to be here. And um, we will be talking about walking in the light today. Um, but first, I'd like to open up with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to uh, share your word. Thank you for your, your day the Lord's Day celebration. Thank you for the faithful that come and participate both in the service um, presently, physically, and due to social distancing and limitations are present on the webcast. I pray your blessing upon all who hear this message. Uh, you are a God who is beyond um, space, spatial and time limitations. Whether we're in different time zones or different places, God, you are still present. You are still active. Your Holy Spirit is not constrained to those limitations that we are. I loose your Holy Spirit, and I pray your blessing, God, um, on this service and on this fellowship today, uh, both present and far away. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Lord, or sorry, gentlemen, ladies, um, I actually did want to share one thing. Uh, I watched a, a series uh, last night. Um, it was the first season of a crowdfunded uh, Jesus uh, gospel series. It's called The Chosen. If anybody has not had the chance to watch that. The first season is up for free. I was weeping the entire time. It is brilliantly done. That is by far the best Jesus pictures I've ever seen. So they crowdfund them and they're working on the second season. But just as a little shameless plug for something that really blessed me last night, um, I encourage you guys to take a peek at that. Um, we'll start by reading 1 John 1. So if anybody wants to turn to their Bibles, they're welcome to. I think I'll just read it from here. I'm reading from the NASB. It might be posted in the ESV. Hopefully that doesn't confuse anyone. First John 1, verse 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 
My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Thanks. God is light. In him is no darkness. We are to walk as children of the light. That means that we are exposed. We're known. We are seen. We are not hidden. We have this privilege, this opportunity, this grace to be known as he himself is known in us, around us, through us, as he has been proclaimed throughout the universe. He is in wrapped in unapproachable light. When we, when we are sinners, it is very difficult to appreciate God as the one who is light, who is wrapped in unapproachable light, because it exposes us. It causes us to see ourselves in all the dark corners of our heart. But what Christ does is he beckons us to give him our dirty, nasty hearts, our sin. We're called to do that in community. And in so doing, we receive healing, we receive grace, we receive salvation and cleansing from all the unrighteousness. That is a powerful promise. More so, once we have received that cleansing, we are able to participate and share in the life of God in the covenant community in a greater degree of intimacy, transparency, and liberty. No longer is sin hindering us from the liberty that God would have for us, we are unhinged, we are or unhindered, we are uh, set free, set at liberty to know God and know each other and the love that he has for us and share that corporately. We are able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the height and the depth of the love of God in Christ Jesus when we walk in the light together. The Apostle John gives some reasons why he was writing this entire epistle, but especially this first section. So that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that your joy would be made complete. Two reasons right there. In the fellowship with God and the people of God, we have joy. We have pleasure because we are at liberty to do exactly what he created us to do know him and enjoy him forever that's powerful this is the liberty and the promise of walking in light moreover jesus says in john 8 verse 
I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There is life in this light. John eleven nine 9 and 10, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. What we can understand is that when we are walking in the light, we have a sure footing. As the psalmist wrote, thy word is a light, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We know where we're, we're able to go. We're able to follow with assurance and clarity when we walk in the light. But if we're covering our sins, if we're walking in the darkness, if we are um, limiting the exposure that God's penetrating glory light would have on our hearts, we do not have sure footing. We stumble. We find ourselves not just concealing a sin, but compounding it, almost in a domino effect. Ephesians 5, this is a longer passage, so hopefully it'll come up on the screen. Um, we'll be reading verses 1 through 21, actually. I think I told Josiah verse 20. This is following uh, Ephesians 4, right after he's uh, given all these fantastic, uh, uh, Paul, the writer of Ephesians, of course, has given all these fantastic descriptions and um, what I even sometimes call the mechanics of the kingdom, how the body works together, uh, supplying whatever you need uh, is present by all the working of all the joints and so forth, building itself up, the body building itself up in the love of God. Um, through service and so forth. That's what Ephesians 4 kind of goes into. And then it starts talking about walking in a manner worthy of the calling of God based on those understandings. But Ephesians 5 goes a little bit more descriptive of all the things that um, come about by walking in the light based on all of that. The first verse says, uh, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you, and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality, or any impurity, or greed, must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. And there must, must be no filthiness, and silly talk, or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks." For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. <clears throat> Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper. And arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. 
So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. In verse 8, he makes the statement, You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. God is light. And when he produces his life in us, we take on his nature, his DNA. He is our father. Our natures are changed. No longer are we children of darkness. We have been transferred to the kingdom of God. And now we are children of light. We are light in the Lord. Therefore, be imitators of God. Therefore, be not partakers with the wickedness, with the things and the deeds of darkness. Arise from the dead, awake, sleeper, and Christ will shine on you. How may we walk in the light? Because there is actually the implication, I'm sorry, let me make sure I make this point. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. When we are willing to expose ourselves, when we are willing to agree with God's uh, declaration and recreation of our natures as children of light, we begin to expose things and bring them into the light. And they can become light too. Anything visible is light. It can therefore be dealt with. It can therefore be an extension of that grace and life and light that he has made us. We are able to extend and shine his light into the earth. That's important to understand about the new nature. It's so powerful. Light is so powerful that darkness cannot abide. You turn on a light switch, no more darkness. It's not even a, it's not even a contest. The light is so powerful And the eye is drawn to the light so much that darkness flees every single time. It's not even a contest. It's it's victory always. And God is light. So that brings us, that's kind of what walking in the light promises. That's what it is. It comes from the nature of who God is. It comes from our nature as children of light with him. But there's also implications for how we are to, to walk. But what happens if the light hasn't fully taken effect in all of our areas of life? What happens if we are found to be foolish in our understanding of the will of God and getting drunk with wine and participating in debaucheries or having secret sins or past traumas or um, struggles in your marriage or uh, bad work habits or just bad discipline in general? What happens when the Christian struggles? What are we to do? (laughs) The answer is we're to confess our sins. We're to repent of our sins. But part of repentance is confession. Part of repentance is bringing those sins into the light that they may be healed. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
those that would drag their sins out into the light don't receive condemnation from God. They receive healing, cleansing, forgiveness, deliverance. James 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. God has called us to confess our sins to one another, that we may be healed. We actively participate, as children of light, we actively participate in God's increasing light in the other believers around us, in the covenant community. When, by grace through faith, the Holy Spirit is convicted of uh, one to confess his sins, bring it into the light, we as children of the light have the opportunity to administer the grace of God, administer an absolution, administer by the effective prayer of righteous men, the righteousness of Christ given to us, healing and deliverance. That sin brought into the light, made visible, has no power. It's done for. And we, as Christians, children of light, have the opportunity to do that for one another. We have the opportunity to wash each other's feet, to cleanse each other, to see one another healed and delivered, made whole, to see one another built up and the light extended into their hearts and their lives in greater and greater degrees. Praise God. Matthew sixteen nineteen. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. John 20, verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. What incredible authority, what incredible opportunity God has given us to serve and love and heal, administer that healing that he has already bought and purchased with his sacrifice. What opportunity, what privilege we have to loose people from the condemnation, the guilt, the shame, the death of their sins in the name of Jesus. That's so cool. That is part of every child of light's ministry to each other. Loose the bonds of wickedness, as it were. 
We have a, uh, an article, a foundation article called Confession and Communion. It is actually a chapter taken out of a book by a guy named Diedrich Bonhoeffer. His book is Life Together. It's, uh, it's chapter two or three. I can't remember exactly. It's chapter five. Thank you. Um, we use this chapter um, as a foundational article um, because of its, its, uh, its very eloquent description of how other believers are to help believers in administering confession and forgiveness to one another. So a couple of the thoughts that are going to follow here are taken directly from that article. If you were part of the email blast that went out for the link to this webcast, you also probably got a follow-up email with this article attached. I highly, highly, highly recommend, I don't know if I'm allowed to command, but (laughs) exhort with all earnestness, um, read this today. Don't delay it any longer. Read it today Um, because it has the power to transform your Christian life. It has the power to increase the light of God in your heart when it's truly abided by. We cannot justify ourselves. When we confess our sins and bring our struggles into light, we will be absolved of wrongdoing. For the confessor has truly given over his heart to the obedience of the Lord. When he forsakes his shame, guilt, and accusations of the devil and trusts the Lord for forgiveness through the Lord's representative in his brother... There is fellowship in that place with the brother and Christ and the confessor because all is in the light. The sin concealed, separating the sinner from fellowship, is done away with. It's absolved. It's removed. No longer is there a hindrance to intimacy, to fellowship with God and your brother. Now, there's no, there's no barrier. It's been dealt with because when we confess our sins to one another... We can be healed. We act as God's representatives. We don't have forgiveness in ourselves in the sense that we don't have the power in the, uh, we don't have, we are not Messiah. We are not the Lamb of God. But being knit together with God in the Spirit, we have been given the opportunity to represent God and release His forgiveness, release His salvation, always. We act as God's representatives in such an instance. Confession doesn't have to be something complicated. A confession is only required between two brothers. The whole congregation is not needed to receive confession for the absolution administered by one brother because the one brother is adequate by grace through faith to administer the sin or administer the forgiveness. So there's some positives there, right? We are such effective representatives by grace through faith, based on God's sovereign ordinance, that we don't need to have everybody know every last detail of every sin that we've ever had. Yet, with true confession, true repentance, and true forgiveness, even with a one-on-one relationship, it is finished. Fellowship with the greater body, with the greater congregation, is restored with the one-on-one interaction. Some points of wisdom, though, in making this practical and making this a, a, a normal part of your Christian walk and your life with the body of Christ, is it is always wise to confess to an older brother in the faith, if opportunity uh, affords you, um, an elder, 
um, a leader in the church, but an older brother in the faith. Wisdom would also dictate that you guard against some of the schemes of the devil that can occur with this. We call it forum shopping. <laughs> um, it's, I've, I've been guilty of this in the past as well. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is a good one. <laughs> this is a scheme of the devil, and it appeals to the flesh. If I would confess sin A to brother A and sin B to brother B, and those sins are dealt with, I might appear more righteous versus having sin A and B compounded before the, before, uh, the other uh, to the brother. I might appear to be less out of control, less damaged, less whatever, less righteous, or uh, less, less unholy, right? And those things appeal to the flesh. But that is wickedness. That is not healthy. That is not good. We should therefore seek to have an established confessor. Someone who we trust in the Lord, who has known us in our walk with God, knows where God's calling us, know what God's called us out of, knows us thoroughly, all our struggles, all our proclivities for sin, all our, all our provisions for the flesh that hopefully we're waging war on, we should have that level of accountability and intimacy with at least one, if not multiple brothers, but not necessarily the whole congregation. And when I say brothers, I also should qualify this, sisters should have this too, <laughs> with sisters uh, and so forth. I, I say that loosely because that's the way the scriptures um, uh, read, but I do include our sisters as well. I'm sorry if that sounds weird um, to our uh, 21st century ears. But when we confess to brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to make sure that we are, this is part of the destruction of the flesh. This is part of the sanctification, of sanctificating, sanctificating? sanctification work, <laughs> sanctification work of God in our hearts. This is what the Holy Spirit is leading us to. This is what the word of God prescribes. And we have to participate by confessing as a part of our real repentance of our sins. The power of that sin is weakened and destroyed when the light comes, as we proved earlier. But this should become a normal part of our Christian life, our normal part of our fellowship and communities, in our single brothers and single sisters' households, in our families, in our um, leadership teams. We should not be disinclined to expose what we're struggling with in time of need. Because God will supply the grace in time of need if we give ourselves to him. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the barriers of disfellowship are broken down and we can continue on. No longer hindered. I, I say it over and over again in the same way, but just a little bit more added. And I hope that that's not annoying to anybody, but that's kind of the way I think. Um, I want to build on this almost like a, if you've got the core of walking in the light, and we build on it like, a, like an onion or a gobstopper or something, where there's layers on layers on layers. Um, and hopefully we get the, the full picture by the end of it. So I'm sorry if I sound like I'm repeating myself that I am. <laughs> so don't forum shop. <laughs> it's not a good move. Um, ultimately, confession is the path to deliverance and healing. When we stop letting the devil rob us of the liberty and blessing of fellowship, and we do confess our sins in the right way to the right people, regularly and often, that concrete reality of mercy and forgiveness is born deep, deep in our spirits, and it becomes natural. It becomes normal. 
we are geared towards that level of grace in our lives, that level of transparency, that level of walking in the light. And we are no, we are, the devil is just losing ground. The devil is losing power in our hearts and in our flesh when we operate and abide in that level of grace and life as a normal Christian reality. So I encourage us that walking in the light as he is in the light must become practical and real and normal. Some may say, if I have sin, I've confessed it to God. I'm forgiven. I'm good. Why do I have to go to my brother? Common objection. I know I've objected in that way in my heart before. <laughs> um, Part of bringing that concrete dimension and reality of mercy is experiencing Jesus not just as the one who is invisible and reigning over the whole cosmos, but to see Jesus before us with skin on him. To see Jesus before us in our brother. To hear the words through our brother of the Spirit of God saying, You're forgiven. Go and sin no more. There is a dimension of grace and reality that comes through that process and that absolution. The word absolution, I've been using that a lot. It might be a word that's unfamiliar to us. It means to be absolved, uh, which is more of a legal term that means uh, that it's it's truly written off. Like it's, it's, it's sealed and done, it's absolved, and it's wiped away. Like considering like a, a, a... a record, like, um, what is the word? Expunged. expunged, yeah, expunged is a good one. Absolved and expunged are very similar uh, legal terms, right? So when I say absolution, I'm referring to the legal dimension of forgiveness in the believer's heart. That absolution has a very concrete, very assured reality when we have witnesses to it. When we have other brothers and sisters that are aware that, yes, that was confessed. Yes, that was absolved. Yes, you were forgiven. Yes, the devil does not have authority over you in that way anymore. Because you, you will be tempted again according to common sins from your past. And many others probably in the future as well. But certainly according to the same things. I know in my Christian walk, I have been tempted over and over and over again to the exact same series of sins. And by the grace of God... Hopefully, I'm gaining traction where that, those same temptations don't have as much sway, don't knock me off my, my horse, so to speak, as often, don't get me off the path as often. Hopefully, I'm gaining ground on those things that are common to my flesh and man. But part of that war, part of that victory over those things is confession, is walking in the light, is being forgiven both by God and letting that, receiving that forgiveness through a brother, through the elders, through accountability and representative delegated authority. When Jesus says to the, well, he says it a few times actually, go and sin no more. He's not merely saying just cease the sinning. That is true. He's saying don't sin anymore. But there's a reality. And this is why I brought up the Chosen movie. Um, one of the things that, the Chosen series. One of the things that's very apparent in the actor who's portraying Christ is he he says the exact things that are written in Scripture, but when you can see it in his eyes, 
when the empathy is present in the eyes of the one who is saying, go and sin no more, you're forgiven. There's a greater depth to that, um, that command to go and sin no more. There's a love and an empathy that comes attached to that that's more like saying, go and stop hurting yourself. Stop destroying yourself. I love you too much to let you stay in this condition. Go and sin no more. Quit letting death operate in your members. One of the things with having confession to a brother and then the brother absolving the sin and releasing that grace to you is you get to see if the heart of God is truly operative in the, in the one you're confessing to. You get to experience the love of God, the grace of God in a very tangible way where that empathy factor is present. That's very healing. That's very, very powerful. I've had that many times in my life. So many people can sit there and say things like, God loves you. But when God's saying it through someone, when God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, and he's saying it through someone, there's a greater impact, a greater weight there. It's truly restorative. Empathy, for the record, it, uh, it means to enter into the suffering or the pathos of another. To be able, we are to bear one another's burdens. We are to um, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, but we bear one another's burdens. There is a dimension of this confession where, or this process of confession and repentance where when the one confesses to us, we do encounter the weight of that sin and the weight of uh, the torment and the suffering that they've been under through that sin. But we also have the ability to help them lift that weight to Christ. We help, we help them take that and move it over to the Lord, who is the one who truly removes it, truly cleanses us through his blood of that sin. That's part of empathy. That's why empathy is necessary in ministry. It's not dirty. There is an empathy of the world and there is an empathy of God. God's empathy is obviously incarnational. God's empathy is perfectly described in Jesus Christ. God does not, he is not unaware of the suffering of man. and He's proven that in the Son. What is common to man, what is... Um, Everything that man has been tempted in, Christ has been tempted in, and yet victorious. He has borne our sin and shame. He has taken on our death, and he has cleansed us from it. He has removed it. He has lifted it off of us, exchanged it with us, given us righteousness for that death and that curse. He's taken it on himself and died a death he did not deserve. Always and always and always are we to give Christ our sin. That weight that burdens you must be confessed, brought into the light, and neutralized from all of its power and effects by transferring it to the one who bore it on the cross. This is part of that practical reality that goes on in the confession of sin to one another among brothers. These are very concrete realities that do occur in this. 
The empathy of God also judges sin rightly. The empathy of the world would say, you must tolerate my sin. You must empathize with me enough to feel my suffering, but you must not judge me. You must not tell me to reform, tell me to change, tell me to do anything. You just have to experience it, which is terribly wicked and cruel. <laughs> not only do, you, do I want you to suffer the exact same way as me, I don't want it to ever stop for you. <laughs> That's terribly wicked. Um, in God's empathy, he does call sin, sin. There is no mincing of words there. The sin is truly sin. It truly has the consequence of death. It truly does cause us to suffer and experience pain. And God recognizes that. He, he understands that. And he removes that and takes it on himself. We as Christians have to participate in that absolving, that forgiving, that grace-extending ministry of Christ to the believer. I hope this is going deep enough in our hearts. God help us. People are burdened by all manner of sin and shame. People are kicked around by the devil. Jesus would look out and see the the uh, sheep scattered. They didn't have a shepherd. They were just sheep tormented by everything that went about them. They didn't have a shepherd. They didn't have anyone to lead them. They didn't want to care for them. And it would move him to in compassion. In John 17, he says, I sanctify myself for their sakes. He is the good shepherd. He purifies himself, sanctifies himself, consecrated for the purpose of being the good shepherd, of being the lamb of God, of being the deliverer, the carer, the perfect pastor, the perfect, um, the light of God, X, Y, Z, right? He's perfect in all of his ways. He has sanctified himself for the sake of the other so that he would destroy the works of the devil by doing the works of his father. All the works of the devil, all the effects of sin, all the uh, uh, overwhelming temptations of the flesh, he came to destroy. And he has effectively made that way for us. Perfectly, in fact. We are not to be kicked around by the devil. We are not to go around with sin and shame for our sins that we continue to struggle with. That is not the Christian life. That is not what Christ has delivered to us. He has delivered us freedom, liberty, absolution. Um, oh yeah, I, was, I struggle with anger periodically. Come back. I was so annoyed. I was even embarrassed by the fact that it had come back. Um, but on this principle of walking in the light, what I decided to do was send an email to the elders and say, I'm struggling with anger again. I'm angry again. Help. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, I never had the chance to sit down with anybody. I didn't have the chance to talk to anybody. Uh, they all acknowledged they got the email. And uh, it was basically like I brought it into the light, and then all of a sudden it just dissipated. It didn't take something crazy, something weird. I brought it into the light. I was obedient to my end of the bargain and they probably started praying for me. <laughs> That's probably what happened. And 
all of a sudden it just dissipated. It weakened. It literally went away. I wasn't angry anymore. All the way up into writing that email, I was totally bothered by this, like truly like disturbed. I'd say that to testify to the efficacy of walking in the light, to confessing it and bringing it out. Yes, we probably should try to set up a meeting and talk one-on-one, and we have had many meetings since then, so it's come up, but it was amazing to me how quickly the grace of God flooded into my situation. That's what was truly incredible. And I testify to that to encourage us that this is not just good, kind words that are scriptural. This is very practical Christianity. This is a very real need, day in and day out. We all need this. We all need that level of victory over our struggles and our sin, day in and day out. I encourage us with that today. And if it gets... We can expect that deliverance ministry, casting out of demons and inner healing and stuff, which we are, um, I think we're actually moving towards that right now, uh, a new season of fresh deliverance and fresh inner healing. I think we're really seeing a lot of grace of God in that uh, movement. So I encourage us to participate with that by confessing our sins, by finding accountability partners, elders that you can confess your sins to and, um, and get that healing and get that prayer and get that freedom because... God is always for delivering his people. He is always interested in casting off the uh, the bonds that sin and shame and the devil and our flesh have put on us. He's always interested in freeing the captive. Would that we tapped into that always intentionality of God, that ever-present grace, ready to deliver, ready to heal. Would that we all engaged in that on a regular basis and we set the captives free. Lord, um, have mercy on us as we learn to understand your ways, as we learn how to do community better, as we learn to do Christian community the way you have patterned in the scriptures, with walking in the light, with transparency, with confession of sins and absolution, with um, freedom and liberty abounding so that we would be at liberty to obey and love and worship you with true, unhindered, hearts together that we would be able to comprehend with all the saints all the dimensions of your love lord bring this to bear in our hearts and our minds give grace to the hearers that they would be encouraged they would rise up to uh, fight the war against sin by bringing their sins into the light and being freed from them We bless you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I think Josiah's going to put a um, a slide up here. I'll just briefly make mention of it. Um, Tithes and offerings are still being accepted, um, even in this time of webcasting and so forth. Surprise, you still have to tithe. (laughs) Um, It's obedience to God, and uh, you must do it. So we've got a couple different ways of making that happen for uh, your obedience and uh, your continued... uh, uh, obedience to God. That's, that's a big one. Um, you can hand deliver these. I know we're social distancing, but there are potential interactions where hand delivery is possible with elders and elders wives, especially those are the ones I would direct you to. If you're going to hand deliver something. Um, also if, uh, that isn't possible mailing it to the church offices at 507 South Smithville road is the correct way of doing it. At that point, that is our church office. You can 
do not mail it to 1645 Spalding. Um, we might get mail here, but nobody checks it. So <laughs> um, it is not a good idea to mail it to this direction. Um, in the event that those are not possible, we do have a PayPal, a PayPal option on our website. Just realize that a portion of your tithe is taken by PayPal for processing. So it's not our preferred method, it's not our encouraged method, but it is an option in the event that the mailing doesn't work. Um, so just to bring to your attention, we're trying to work with all these different uh, social distancing and um, logistical uh, adaptations in this time, uh, but realize you still must tithe. You are, you still must be obedient to God, and we do not want to hinder you in that regard, so we're trying to make a way for that to happen. But um, anyway, that's my two cents. God be praised. <laughs>